Well, it's uh, great to be with you again, church, preaching God's word and um, to be bringing to a close, uh, sort of, our, ex- our series called Experiencing the Presence of God. I say sort of because uh, I guess you could say uh, that uh, it's certainly going to continue with Pastor Peter Burns uh, next week, who who is really going to be bringing this home in terms of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us and, and how he interacts with us uh, through the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I just encourage you to prioritise that. If you know about people who aren't here today, uh, encourage them to be here. I'm sure it'll be a message that uh, is, is going to be uh, accessible by other people, our guests, but it's, uh, it's going to be great that it follows on from what we're talking about today. During this series, we've been talking about the fact that um, God um, desires uh, to be with people and with his people uh, far more than, than we desire to be with him. Now, that, that sounds a bit harsh, but uh, God being God, God taking the initiative, uh, he's, he's the one that creates us, firstly as humans, for relationship with him and then brings uh, into our uh, circle, if you like, himself and dwells within us. We've talked about how God wants to have a manifest presence, uh, which uh, sounds like something um, that uh, is, uh, well, what is manifest? I just thought then of a manifold. Uh, Soren, you're into cars. You know what manifolds are, don't you? Um, So there's part of the cooling system that sticks above the bonnet. Is that right? No, you, sometimes they do. That's the manifold. Sorry, Soren, I've got you, on a, got you on without notice there, but I think they're called manifolds. I don't know, but anyway, I should have looked that up before I started it. Anyway, but uh, manifest presence of God. And it's interesting that we arrived in church this morning to a fog uh, because before um, the day of Pentecost and the arrival of Christ on earth, often a cloud was associated with the visible presence of God. The point was that you would notice it, that it was tangible. And so it was uh, when uh, Moses was visited by God, when Jesus was transfigured, uh, and um, it it was very much like that. That is uh, what we're talking about, uh, is to know the presence of God in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about and finish that this morning. Psalm 139 tells us that wherever we might go, God is there. And Matthew 18, 20 tells us that whenever two or three gather in Jesus' name, he is there. But the question that I think we all want to ask is, in what way do we experience God in moments such as these? We've spoken about the Father's desire to be with his people. We've spoken about how that went to another level when Jesus came to earth and God became uh, a human being to reveal the Father's glory, but the Father's not visible and Jesus, in terms of the, his physical presence, uh, is, is no longer with us. He, he's returned to the Father himself and he's praying and interceding for us. So we can't see God the Father. Jesus isn't here in terms of his physical presence. So how do we experience the presence of God? What, what is this thing that we're talking about? We have the Bible that records the story and the words of Jesus, but how does that impact us uh, today? 
Today, therefore, we're going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit from the day of Pentecost forwards and the way that it brings us into the presence of God. Now, there's many passages that we could use to talk about this, but we're going to just stick with one, which is taken from John 14. Uh, and it's called, by many scholars, the Farewell Discourse. Sounds a bit... Um, <laughs> you think, I thought of Winston Churchill. Judy, I've been watching The Crown, uh, listening to Winston Churchill speak, the Farewell Discourse. But uh, no, it's Jesus talking to his followers um, and praying for them on the eve or in the moments before his death. So... The reason why this is a good passage for us to talk about the Holy Spirit is we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is never an abstract presence. Uh, The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Uh, The Holy Spirit uh, isn't in Star Wars. Uh, Well, I mean, not in the way that, you know, Luke Skywalker envisaged the force as being. But the Holy Spirit is sent by the Son so that we are not alone, so that we uh, have a permanent uh, reminder or experience of the presence of God. And uh, Jesus is standing on this moment where these group of disciples that he's been with closely for three years, it's been a fantastic journey, generally quite exciting. Jesus has turned the, the, the nation of Israel upside down. His disciples have seen things that many of us will never see. And yet Jesus is starting to talk about um, his departure. He's saying things like, you know, I'm going to die. I'm about to leave you. And he can sense and he knows that they're starting to get anxious because they have a different picture of what it means for Jesus to enter his kingdom, and it's not one where he dies and leaves them. That's not in their thinking at all. So so Jesus thoughtfully, lovingly starts to prepare them for a massive shift in the way that God is experienced not only by them, but by people for all time. And we, I want to suggest, are the beneficiaries of it. And let me explain more. I'm sure often you've thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I was alive in Jesus' time? Wouldn't it be great if I was one of the disciples? Surely things would be so much more clearer then where there'd be Jesus saying this and doing that. And, you know, it'd just be, the doubt would be gone. It would be all, it'd be so much simpler. Have you ever had thoughts like that? You know, like, here we are, I'm preaching, you're there, you know, we're talking about God, but we can't quite get a fix on it. You know, like, how's it going? But uh, Jesus, in fact, has a totally different view uh, of the benefits of his physical presence and what's about to happen after he dies. So we're going to take a look at this passage and we're going to get something out of it about how Jesus directs his disciples effectively to His spirit, the Holy Spirit. Firstly, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, 
the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, because, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now I want to point you to something that's important to understand right from the outset when we talk about our experience of God. The the word love comes out of Jesus' mouth. The word love. So uh, experiencing God today is not something, as I said earlier, that you know we just sort of say a few words and think a few thoughts, but it's experienced out of love for Jesus. You want to experience God? Then it starts with love for Jesus. That's where it happens. And this love is not something that, you know, well, I love ice cream and I love the Adelaide Crows and I just love Jesus. Sorry if you don't love the Adelaide Crows, but it just came out. You know, and so it's just this, we have these loves that, you know, it's, it's food and it's footy and it's, we got the religion thing with Jesus over here. Because Jesus quantifies, if we go back a bit straight away, that obedience and that active, physical, moving response to him is the ultimate and, quite frankly, only expression of love. Love is a word that we can use in advertising, that, that we can use in conversation, but when it comes to experiencing the presence of God and experiencing and following Jesus, it's obedience that is the doorway to the experiencing of the presence of God. Now, you might be thinking, gee, that's a shame because that obedience is just making me glaze over. It sounds like discipline. It sounds, it's just like, I've got a headache now, Pastor. Obedience, that is boring. I was hoping you were going to say, kapow, and there's the presence of God. <laughs> but obedience, love, What? I just got it out of the Bible. It's there. I didn't say it, but Jesus said it. So it starts with love and it starts with obedience. Now the word that Jesus uses for um, the Holy Spirit as he begins this explanation is comforter. And depending on how you're feeling at the moment, that might be exciting. Comforter. so, is it the Americans who call a dummy a comforter? Is that right? Pacifier? Uh, not quite. Okay. Should have checked that one first too. Is, or a comfort rug, you know, those type of things. So if you're cold or you're feeling a bit down, comforter, that might be helpful. But uh, that's the English translation of a word that perhaps is a little more like advocate or someone who comes alongside you uh, when you're in trouble. That's sort of the context. It's anyone that stood like someone, especially in a court of law, when they were facing a charge. So 
um, Jesus promises to his disciples that you will have someone who will come alongside you and comfort you and even advocate for you in your time of need. Jesus is saying, I'm going, but I'm sending my presence, I'm sending my Holy Spirit so that when I go, you will not be alone. And not only will you not be alone, but you will have someone who will comfort you and who will advocate and be your strength and your guide at that time. So the disciples are saying, Jesus is going, but now he's talking about what? Like who and how? But it sounds good. I mean, that's good that we won't be alone. We won't be orphans, Jesus said. So Jesus is saying that I'm going to send someone alongside you and that you, even though I'm going, you're not going to be on your own. Now, he then says some interesting things about the Holy Spirit because, as you know, there's many thoughts around about experiencing the presence of God. These days, there's as big a discussion going on as ever, really. Um, Near where Judy lives, uh, there's a... A crystal shop, sorry, near where your doctor is, but there's a crystal shop. Uh, so every time we go to Jude's doctor, you can either go to the doctor or you can go across the road to the crystal shop, uh, take your pick, and, uh, you know, there's crystals and readings and everything like that. But Jesus is saying here that the world um, cannot accept or experience the presence of God, experience the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him or knows him. So again... Jesus is saying that experience of the Holy Spirit comes through an acceptance of me and my teaching and an obedience and a response to it out of love. And uh, he clearly defines that there is a difference, there's a dividing line there. And we need to understand and remember that, that Jesus says quite simply to people, you must be born again. And this is not a sort of a born again, well, what is that? I just recite a few words. But it's a, it's a rebirth in the power of God's spirit. It's God's spirit coming into you as you say yes to Jesus and your life turning around and changing and your outlook and your attitude towards Jesus and God being totally transformed. It's nothing short of a miracle and it must occur for you to enter into and experience the presence of God. So if you're weighing this up at the moment and you're thinking, you know, I reckon if I just come to church every now and again just so I can beat the phone call that comes after three weeks, I'll I'll just keep that going and, you know, I'll sort of do a few and I'll I'll keep that balls in the air and I'll keep this part of me, though, for me and I'll lock this part of my life away and I reckon that ought to do. And if you're contemplating that approach to experiencing the presence of God and and outworking the new life that he wants to give you, it won't work. It's just not going to work. You must be born again. (laughs) We must obey. And to do otherwise is to negate and to restrict and to, the Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit when we don't 
follow Jesus and say yes to him in the things that he's calling us to do. So Jesus gives his disciples this description, lets them know that, hey, you will know him because he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, which I'm going to talk about in a little few moments' time. It talks about how that you know he he's going to go uh, which is his crucifixion that he's talking about. But uh, when he talks about on that day, uh, he's more referring at that stage to the day of Pentecost, which is what we're going to speak about uh, in a few moments' time. When we talk about experiencing the presence of God, those of you who were at Flourish yesterday heard some amazing testimonies by Beck Jolly and Emily Moore, and I only know about them, not because I was sneaking outside the door listening but they sent me a copy of what they were going to say uh, beforehand I got to read it. And what I noticed about reading those two testimonies was you had these two women who were, were talking about God as though he actually knew what was going on in their life and that he listened to their prayers and that he responded to their needs and he worked in and through them and their circumstances to guide them through their life. And I don't know about you, but I reckon that's pretty good. Like I'm thinking that's that's something that surely we all need. I mean surely we all need that experience of God who, who doesn't sort of just give us a warm fuzzy when we sing songs about him but actually listens and cares and interacts and intersects through our experiences. And folks, I trust that everyone here who has said yes to Jesus has got some experience of the way that God interacts with them and wants to direct their steps because that kind of guidance only comes ultimately through the ministry of God in our lives. But it's available to everyone that says yes to Jesus, that's born again, and that receives his spirit and that God comes alive on the inside of. So I want to encourage you in that and I want you to, those of you who heard those testimonies, I trust were blessed by them and were impacted by the fact and would know that God is willing and ready to do that for everyone who believes, who receives, who, who receives and has his spirit, God's ready to direct them. So Jesus promises, if I can just go back to that verse that says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. It's an interesting expression, isn't it, that Jesus would use that word orphans. Um, and um, this sense that an orphan, I guess, is alone, is or is without their parents. And uh, when I read this scripture again, it reminded me of a time when uh, I worked for Baptist Care. It was a few years ago. I was an emergency care worker while I was studying. I, I was doing it at the time uh, for some additional income because I was only on a part-time wage. And for those of you who are aware of the system, that these days children who are at risk uh, in their family home are often taken out of that situation by the state and placed into what is called emergency care. And uh, I used to help look after uh, 
two boys uh, who lived in the north of Adelaide and uh, sadly, incredibly, uh, these boys lived on their own um, in a, a rented premises that was then cared for, if you like. They had care by all these carers that cycled through uh, on various different shifts uh, over various different times. And um, it was a shock for me, to be honest. It was a shock. Because coming out of a, a, a loving home when I was young, seeking to create and establish a loving home myself for our kids, to then go and be with these these boys who lived on their own without their family and to look at um, just stuff that we considered to be basic in terms of the way that you would make decisions or, or conduct yourself and whatever, and, and it just seemed like these kids had nothing in terms of that framework to live well (laughs) and just to make the simplest of decisions. I remember having a conversation with one of them about personal hygiene and just explaining (laughs) why you needed to wash. I had to explain that to him as a 10-year-old because he basically wouldn't do it. And it was really, really sad. And, um, but it reminded me in this passage, Jesus is saying, as followers of me, as children of God, that will not be your experience. That you won't have to grope in the dark and be without an idea or a clue about how do you live your life. Because even though I'm leaving, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be as a parent and as a, as a loving father to you when I'm gone. So you will have all the benefits that you might think accumulate from a good mother and father. That and 20 times more come from my presence in your life. And there are plenty of times, I'm sure, when we do have a sense of being alone, that that circumstances can conspire to think, you know, what do I do now and and I'm struggling or whatever. But when we open ourselves up to Jesus, either through God's word or through prayer or both, the spirit comes and comforts us and strengthens us and guides us and, if you like, steadies us and directs us and we have this experience and I don't know how I don't know what your experience is but this happens to me a lot I find myself often tested by circumstances and and past decisions and current responsibilities and the list goes on and the temptation to say I can't do it or, or I'm not going to make it or, or how's this going to work out? It's strong. It bombards us. I'm sure all of you get that sense at different times. It doesn't matter whether you, you'd call yourself a believer or not. It's a reality for many of us. But in that moment, like in that time, whether it's instantly or over a few hours or over a few days, as I just there and read this every day, God comforts me. God 
reassures me. God strengthens me. And I just keep going. In fact, in times, the presence of God overwhelms me where I think, you are really there and you really care. In fact, I'm going to give that to you as a little memory something or other. God is really there and God really cares. It rhymes and you're thinking it's a bit simple. It's actually a central message of his word. God is really there and God does really care. So God comforts us and God experience, we experience him in that reassurance and he doesn't leave us as orphans and that he strengthens us in those times. That part of the passage goes on to say, uh, after talking about this connection between Jesus and the Father, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loved me. Jesus doesn't say, whoever repeats the Sunday morning prayer, whoever sings these songs, you know, as good as those things all are, it's whoever keeps my has my commands in terms of, you know, <laughs> I guess has a Bible and has Jesus alive on the inside and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. And that the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now the passage then goes on to say... Uh, Jesus is receiving questions from his disciples and they're saying, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us but not to the world? And it's a question they were probably all were thinking and they're saying, um, Lord, if you're going to do this big sort of coming into your kingdom thing, uh, then we suggest as uh, experts in the public relations and marketing sectors that you don't only show yourself to your own followers, but you launch and hold a media conference in Jerusalem and announce to the whole world that you are taking over. Because they still got this thing that Jesus is going to come into his own uh, and, and launch a revolution that's going to overthrow the occupying powers that are in God's territory at that time and, and that Jesus is going to come that way. But notice Jesus, <laughs> well, they didn't quite get it, so I'll just repeat myself and see if they pick it up again. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus just repeats that and then makes the amazing claim that God the Father and God the Son are going to make their home with them, that they're going to live with them and be with them. He goes on to say, All this I have spoken while, you, while still with you. I've told you this now, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus um, wraps up this teaching on what the transformation is about that's going to take place by saying a few things. Firstly, he uses the word advocate about the Holy Spirit. We've spoken about that. We've talked now, then he talks about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
So, did you know that to understand the Word of God that you need the Holy Spirit? Did you know that there are people that teach theology who don't have the Holy Spirit? Are you aware of that? But not mention any names. Happens just down the road, I think. Flinders University. That may be unfair. I don't know who's down there, but hey, better be careful. But anyway, you need the Spirit of God for this to make sense. If you pick this up and say, I don't understand this, that's okay. That means you need to intersect and interact with the Spirit of God. You need to study and interact with the Spirit of God. But here's another ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's two more in this passage. I'm going to finish on this and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Firstly, the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, who here needs reminders? Who here? Just uh, let's do a survey, Kath. Now that you've volunteered, okay. So, yeah, fair bit of honesty. That's good. These days, I live off reminders. Judy hates it because I like to plan. And every time she says something to me, like, you know, have you done this? Or uh, that's not a lot, really, is it, Jude? But you know, occasionally you might. And I quickly think I haven't done it. And if I don't. Put this in my calendar right now. It's just not going to happen. There they are. There's my reminders. Uh, remind this, remind that, do that. It's all happening. Washing machine service. A reminder about that tomorrow. So um, reminders, we all need them. We all live them. And really, when it comes to living the Christian life, to following Jesus, we can't get by without reminders. Uh, if you here have experienced everything about the presence of God, you've memorised the Bible and you'd like to recite it for us one month, uh, let me know. But really, all of us have to be reminded totally all the time because we are tempted to doubt, we're tempted to fear and Jesus here uh, transitions from the teaching, reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit and then starts talking about peace. Now, I want to ask you something today. Everyone here did a survey and said, yes, I need to be reminded. Who here needs peace? I mean, is there anyone who could happily do without peace? I I don't know. Maybe you're saying, I really love that turmoil thing. (laughs) I love chaos. I mean, I hope I get home and the whole thing's blown up. (laughs) That would really make my Sunday. You know? I hope the thing just goes to pot. And my life falls apart. What do I care? I don't know. Maybe you have said that. But peace is a, it's a currency that really is probably, I would suggest more than anything, the province of God. It is the gift of God to us when we experience it deep inside. Jesus wants to make sure that we don't associate it with the peace that the world gives. You know, Australia is at peace at the moment or something like that. Um, When he said this to his followers, they would have immediately thought of the Pax Romana. Anyone heard of that before, the Pax Romana? What language is it, folks? Latin. The peace of Rome. (laughs) What an irony. The peace of Rome brought to you with brute force. You will obey and you will be at peace. Thank you very much. That's what it was. It was obey or perish. It it wasn't 
any sort of peace at all. It was sort of order, but it was based on fear, based on compulsion. But Jesus offers a peace that goes deep within and uh, that allows us to obey his command not to let our hearts be troubled and not to be afraid. And who of us doesn't need to be reminded? Jesus, on the one hand, offers it, this peace, but then he commands us not to be troubled inside and not to be afraid. And that's only possible, I want to suggest, not because of how our circumstances are operating around us, but because of the spirit that's alive inside of us. And friends, believe it or not, it's absolutely possible for us to experience Jesus in a deeper, more meaningful way than it was for the disciples back then when Jesus was alive. And so he gives them these promises and these reassuring words and that he points them towards the fact that at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's going to be given and shed upon the church in a way that's going to transform their lives. And folks, the good news is that we ourselves are beneficiary of the presence of God being alive inside of us here today. Um, As I wrap up, I want to tell you about an interesting experience that I had in relation to God's Spirit. About five years ago, I was uh, given the privilege of going on a study trip to the Middle East. Um, Visited the countries of Egypt, Jordan uh, and Israel over a two-week period. Uh, Really fascinating, amazing stuff. And on my way to this trip, I was sort of thinking to myself, well, this is amazing. I'm going, you know, to the land where Jesus lived. Uh, I'm going to the very streets where we understand Jesus walked with his followers. I mean, I was thinking, am I, is this supposed to change my life? I mean, this is incredible. You know, I'm going to go. and But all these people at church that can't go? That's bad luck. What's supposed to happen to them? Should we all get up and go to Israel so we can have this experience? It was a big question for me. And, and when I got there and we're walking around, I'm thinking to myself, this is interesting, but it actually does nothing for my experience of God. Not really. Not really. Interesting, fascinating, a bit of geographical context for the life of Jesus. But I can be in Botswana and know the presence of God in a way that is more meaningful than anything that you'll get by walking through the streets of Israel. And I came home and I thought, I mean, that was good. I'm glad I did it. But folks, if you can't get there or you've got other things to do, don't stress about it. Because even right here today, by reading this word and having the Holy Spirit come alive inside of you, God makes his manifest presence to you so obvious that that you could be anywhere and know that God cares, that God loves you and that God is alive on the inside of you. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence, Lord, that 
really is beyond description that at times surprises us with your love and your concern for our circumstances, with your reminding of us of who we are and what you've done, with the way that you comfort us, that you strengthen us, and Lord, that you give us a gift of peace that really is beyond description, that is so different than what it means to just know peace in this world. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that even though your first followers were confused about why you were going, that they couldn't understand why you would leave them in such a way and yet you reassured them and you comforted them yourself and you pointed them to the shedding of the Holy Spirit, to the giving of God's presence in a way that had never been experienced by people before. And Lord, I thank you that we live in the so-called age of the Spirit, that we are alive at a time when amazingly you dwell inside of us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to pray right now for every person here that said yes to you, that, that is born again, that that has experienced your presence and is one of your followers, I want to pray right now that they have a moment of renewal, that they have a, a moment of reminding, that, that there's a moment of comfort and of peace for them. Right now as we pray, Lord, I want them to sense you coming to them and saying, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord, I feel that you're speaking this over everyone that would hear it here this morning, everyone that has your spirit. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Lord, we thank you for that gift this morning. And Father, I'm also praying this morning for people who haven't yet had an experience of your Holy Spirit, who who haven't really said yes to Jesus. They've heard about him. They might have read about him. Other people have told them about you. But they haven't yet crossed over into saying, I receive you. I receive your spirit. I say yes to you. Father, I pray for them this morning that they would understand that knowing you and experiencing you is done by saying yes to you, by expressing their love for you by obeying your commands. And your first command is say yes to Jesus. Repent and be baptised. Admit that you've got, been going your own way and instead go the way of Jesus. Father, I pray that every person in that place today would be brave enough and bold enough to cross over, to be born again and to say yes to your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are a good God. We thank you for the fact that you have not left us as orphans, that we have a loving heavenly parent who guides us and instructs us in the ways of living and of breathing and of following you. Thank you that we're not on our own, but you come to us and teach us and treat us as your children. For these things, we humbly and gratefully say thank you. In your name, amen. Amen.
Folks, we want to end our service today by uh, having a time of prayer together, a time of worship. And as usual, we're going to open up the front. If the prayer ministry team could head down now and prepare that, it'd be great. If the rest of us could get to our feet uh, and prepare for this time, that would also be good. And I'd just like to um, spend some time worshipping and and reflecting, perhaps being comforted. And if you're this morning here and you're in a situation or you're feeling like you need to sense the presence of God in a real and tangible way, that you need comfort for something, that you need a word of knowledge about something, that you need instruction, then I invite you as we worship to come to the front and receive prayer. Let someone stand with you and lay hands on you and pray about that thing so that you can experience the tangible presence of God, that you can interact with it. Maybe you want to receive Jesus and say yes to Him. Maybe you want the Holy Spirit to be alive on this inside of you. Whatever that need, we'd love to pray for you now as we sing and worship together. Thanks, Sam.